passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I want Brock Lesnar. I want the Universal Championship. And I want it at WrestleMania. But the only way I can do that is if I win the Elimination Chamber match. Let's take this second chance Fatal 4-Way match. Let's turn it into a Fatal five-way and put me in the match. Well, in all honesty, it's not ultimately up to you. It's not up to me. It's up to them. Do all of you want me to give Seth an opportunity to make it to the Elimination Chamber? I think you have your spot. You have your opportunity. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The 18 that makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Welcome to Rewind Raw. I'm John Pollock, along with Wei Ting. It's a late Monday night, early Tuesday morning. My Fitbit announcement just came on my phone stating it is time to get ready for bed. Is this your bedtime normally? According to my Fitbit, this is like when my uh, when I'm supposed to be starting to get ready to go to sleep. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, but every Monday and now every Tuesday kind of throws it off. Yeah, it's not. It's more just a suggestion from Fitbit. They're yeah. like, "This is when a normal person that's been awake as long as you have should probably go to sleep." Yep. So, and instead, you are starting. Oh, I've got your about work. three more hours, and yeah. then Fitbit can be satisfied. Well, okay. That's a reminder of how abnormal you are. Yes, uh, yeah. maybe unfitbit mm-hmm. could be what I I could launch. Yeah. How are you? How was your weekend, way? It was good. Oh yeah, yeah. I was here on Saturday. Yes. So I saw you. I, I I know how half your weekend was. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday night, I watched hours of fights. Mm-hmm. What did you do Saturday night? Oh, I went to a friend's party. Uh, a friend of a friend's party. It was her. You're crap. much more social. Ah, uh, I wasn't that social. I I went to this party and I ended up like, kind of leaving it for most of the time because oh. my um it was just so loud. Like I realize now. I think like was this I, a younger crowd at the party? Yeah, it was like maybe like a six-year younger crowd. But like, I think I'm just like, I'm just, I'm really done with like loud parties. You know, I was never that into them anyway. But now I know that like, now I actually feel uncomfortable in them. 
It's just like it's impossible to talk. And I don't get drunk enough to like dance, so it not anymore at least. <laughs> yeah, so it it's kind of like So I, you were probably wondering about, man, I wonder I wonder what's going to happen with you all Romero and Luke Rockle tonight. Got to get home to listen to John Pollock and Mike Bond. I did listen on the way on the way back. Oh, yeah, what'd you think? But on the way back, man, what does that was a late night party for you? Yeah, I guess so. I guess that so. show ended around like twelve thirty, and then I wasn't even home, so I had to upload it once I got home. You got the show up. I had to walk home for a half hour at one thirty in the morning. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, you got the show up pretty fast. Um, it's kind of trying to live up to your standards, boy. Oh boy. It's kind of tough for me to like listen to a show a review without having seen the the show itself well i guess right? i wasn't doing a good job then at describing no it's not that how often do you do that like listen to a review of a show that you haven't watched i know there are plenty of people that listen to us like without watching raw i think i watch everything so i have i know uh, that's that never that's never an issue for would me. you ever listen to a review of like a movie or a tv show that you've never seen before you're right i probably wouldn't it's, it's because what tough. would generate me to listen to that would be to get someone else's thoughts on something that I have a reference point for. Yes. If I'm listening to this, I obviously have interest in this subject matter. Mm-hmm. I would start at square one of actually watching yeah. the material. I suppose for wrestling, because I think some people who just listen to our, our shows without watching, they're at least maybe a little bit familiar with some of the characters. It's not like this isolated thing like a movie yeah. that lives on its own. I mean, WWE, you could very much be a fan of it without watching week by week. You want to keep up. So it's a little different circumstances. But I guess depending on how much you follow MMA... Like on this particular UFC card, I, I probably didn't know most of the people on both cards, either the the main or the undercard. The one guy, and I ran through the, all the fights, so I'm not gonna re- redo anything. But mm-hmm. this one guy who was debuting, Israel Adesanya, was just incredible. Cool, yeah. He yeah. stops Rob Wilkinson in the second round. And he was really impressive. Like, his striking looked tremendous. It, like, huge, like, kickboxing background, undefeated as a MMA fighter. So he was coming in with a ton of momentum. And afterwards, he's interviewed by John Anik, and he just cuts, like, the greatest promo on all the fighters. He's like, I'm here. There's a new dog in the yard, and I just pissed all over the cage. And this guy was just fantastic. And then... Ariel Hawani was talking about him on his show on Monday, and I guess Ariel was trying to get him on his radio show. So I guess he texted this guy, Israel Adesanya, and (laughs) Adesanya responds to him, and all he writes is, I've been expecting you. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) This guy just owned the moment. This guy's really thought about his whole thing, like his whole gimmick. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. Anyway, there were there were some really good uh, post fight interviews. One guy tried to take the mic and drop it, and John Anik caught it in midair Whoa. before it dropped. Is that right? So those were some of the memorable moments of UFC 221 okay. on Saturday night. So I'm mainly bringing this up because we always forget to talk about the shows at the beginning of the show. We leave them till the end. So yes. I'm promoting the fact that this past weekend, if you were out partying like Way was, we had two shows up on Saturday, not just the UFC 221 uh, post show with our good pal Mike Bond, mm-hmm. but we also had a Patreon show up at postwrestlingcafe.com where Way and I reviewed the New Beginning card in Osaka, mm-hmm. which I thought was going to be the best wrestling we'd see uh, within the week. And lo and behold, a five-star match on Raw. Excuse me? <laughs> Did you miss this? Uh, 
there was a match that was identified as a five-star match on Raw. Maybe, which, maybe I did miss it. Okay, well, Come we'll on, get man. to that later. But anyway, new beginning uh, in Osaka. Oh, um, watch Hiromu Takahashi and uh, Will Ospreay fail to get the attention of Jonathan Coachman. But uh, also featured Kazuchika Okada and Sonata. <laughs> that is the scale that I want I want his reference point for like what 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 are the what are the five star matches in Jonathan Coachman's uh, wrestling history? Oh well, I, I thought it was a, a very, very funny reaction when Michael Cole called Jonathan Coachman a journalist on the broadcast tonight, and Coachman just broke out laughing at this notion. Former ESPN personality Jonathan Coachman. Personality being the keyword. Yeah, I feel we're going to get a lot of mileage out of one Coachman this year. But anyway, those shows are up from this past weekend and coming up this week. It's always a busy week here in the post office. Uh, We'll have, as always, Rewind to SmackDown up Tuesday night and then on Thursday. I'm excited about this one. Brian Mann and Nate Milton will welcome Jordan Breen to review the June 12th, 2000 edition of Monday Nitro. Wow. I can't wait to hear this show. I cannot wait. Yes, I think Jordan is. I mean, I think I love Jordan for his MMA coverage, but his wrestling knowledge is intense and in, incredible. I can I can listen to Jordan chat about anything. Yeah, I do listen to him chat about anything when you guys are talking because I just like I have nothing to say. Like you guys have like every base covered. So. He had gone dark for like a month. I hadn't heard from him. Yeah, and then out of nowhere, he texted me during the Royal Rumble. I was like, oh, Jordan's back. Oh, he finally responded to your text. Uh, no, he never responded to that text. Oh, he just but, ignored it. Yeah, okay. but I... Anyway, so we chatted during the Royal Rumble. Oh. So anyway, he's going to be back on Thursday with Brian and Nate. And then on Friday, you and I are doing a bonus show, our Friday Patreon show. Uh, we asked everyone on the forum what you would like to, us to review of the recent Coliseum home video releases. Mm-hmm. And the title that was chosen was the... Uh, uh, Battle at Royal Albert Hall from yeah. 1991. Is that officially what it's called? Uh, I think it's that. Yeah, Royal, Albert. Royal Albert Hall. I think everyone's going to realize it. We were going to go based on the votes and see. This is a is this is like a pay-per-view length of a show. So we're doing the one release. That is uh, what it's called. Battle at Royal Albert yes. Hall. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Beautiful venue. Mm-hmm. Like, we always talk about arenas that have character and that you can instantly identify. Mm-hmm. Royal Albert Hall is on the high scale. Yeah. A classic show from 1991 WWF. So that's coming up Friday, and and then Sunday. Sunday rounds out the week with the return of the roundtable. Uh, it's going to be myself, Wei Ting, and Damian Abraham. Who I saw this evening, actually. Yes. You had quite the evening. You yes, should have I done did. your own roundtable without me tonight. You uh, were with some high clientele. We really could have, yeah. Uh, I hung out with Damian because uh, um, uh, our good friend now, uh, Scott Kelly, from Neurosis was in town uh, for his solo project, and he was opening up for uh, the Atlas Moth uh, over in. Uh, you're wow. looking at me with like, like the blankest. Stare. No, I love the <laughs> Atlas Moth. Anyway, uh, but a bunch of huge wrestling fans: Stavros, Scott, Damien, myself, my friend Elliot, and Elliot went. We all went. Oh, yeah, man. just like, but like it. The conversation was kind of like dominated by like partially wrestling. And then, like, the the three of them, Elliot, uh, Stavros, and Damien, just, like, went off on their own. Like, I can't imagine. Talking about the most obscure bands, like, the most obscure venues. And I just sat there, like, like, yep, 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 <laughs> the entire time. But um, it's like when, when you and me <laughs> hang out with Damien, 
Or with Jordan. And yeah. <laughs> do you ever get annoyed in those situations? I don't get annoyed. No, not at all. Like I, I, I realize I, I, you hang out with a lot of power talkers. Uh, I because oh, I'm not one, I suppose. But like, I I really love the fact that like my friends are having good times with other friends, and I I don't get annoyed at all. So you had a great time. Were you yeah. kind of annoyed this was on a Monday? Yeah, that was kind of shitty. Like I, I you know, I, I stayed for um, um Scott Kelly's set, but that I, I couldn't really stay for the rest of the show. Where was but this? It was at the Hard Luck, in uh, Dundas and like Bathurst. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, that was Way's night. We have a big monumental show here because way uh we are about a month and a half into the era of post-wrestling yes we are and drum roll please it is time to welcome on our first sponsor yeah i suppose i mean we've we this, this was kind of we've we know the, these people and like we've done i guess don't don't minimize the moment way <laughs> i don't know if it's, it's that big of a deal but uh yeah so this is to alert everyone to the Niagara Falls Comic Con mm-hmm. that longtime listeners of us very familiar with the Niagara Falls Comic Con. Uh, it's going to be happening in June, and for those that have attended the Niagara Falls Comic Con in the past, know that there is always a heavy wrestling component with a number of personalities that are coming in, and this year, way no exception, some interesting names that will be part of the Comic Con in June. Yeah, June first, second, and third, twenty eighteen. Uh, if you are a big wrestling fan, I think this year they might have the best roster they've had. I see one name here that instantly my eyes are lighting up. I know Dan Lebransky is looking <laughs> forward to the trip because one nature boy, Ric Flair, will be in attendance. And uh, I'm sure most of you might have better luck talking to him than Dan did that one year. But he will be there along with the Honky Talk Man, Greg the Hammer Valentine, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, Trish Stratus, and Lita. As well. I'm just looking at some of the other names that are going to be here. The non-wrestling names here. Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister, who has a mini wrestling connection with Mick Foley. Jaleel White of Family Matters. What's his wrestling connection? Uh, none. He had a gimmick change as uh, Stefan Urkel. Yes. Uh, kind of like a weak, weak. Demolition Smash Repo Man transformation. Uh, who else do we have here? George Went from Cheers. Dean Kane. Yeah. I think he's all, like, George Went is always there. <laughs> is he always there? He's probably been there. Everyone knows his name. <laughs> yeah, been, this is his new Cheers. Is the Niagara Falls <laughs> He just got a bar set up <laughs> and he's just there to greet everyone. Oh, that's awesome. I was never a big Cheers watcher. Dude, but we're, when. The, it, we're like, the, we're not that old, okay? Like. I don't know anybody our age who watches nah, Cheers. Nah, Cheers we kind of missed, our generation. But yeah. it aired a lot in syndication afterwards, so very familiar with the show. It's weird, because like, there are certain certain shows that I know people my age would watch in syndication, even though they're old. I'm talking like shows like The Brady Bunch, you know, that are really old, but like... I watched a little bit of The Brady Bunch. Yeah, but like, people our age still kind of get some of those references. I don't know anybody my age, my generation or younger, who regularly watches cheers but we do we we all know, know the characters so i saw one of these ads the other day they've they always come up now it's like you know only kids that grew up in the 90s will will recognize these things one of those posts yeah and of all the things they chose to identify a decade by it was the herbal essences shampoo 
Do you remember those? Of course I do. And a and a backpack, the the Jan Sport backpacks. So I'm like, are these that iconic? Yeah, do pe- don't people still use those? <laughs> they probably do. <laughs> Herbal essences. I I mean, if they never existed, like the, the the ultimate test is to ask somebody, you know, not for, not awake, not woke in the '90s, if they remember these things. Well. I guess I did identify both, so I, I am guilty as targeted. But to me, the the biggest stars that I, I think are entering this Niagara Falls Comic Con are one Michael Rooker, who played y- Yondu from Guardians of the Galaxy. Wow. As well as Sean Gunn from Guardians of the Galaxy. Wow. So huge wrestling connection there. Not really. We're just tying it all. all together. Not at all. Uh, plenty of other things, comics, artists, pop culture, and geek-related memorabilia, cosplay contests, an 80s video game zone, even the Mystery Machine and the 89 Batmobile, John. Whoa! The Batmobile will be there? Yeah. Wow, that so, looks cool. So for tickets and more information, visit our good friends at NiagaraFallsComicCon.com. Perfect. And stay tuned for... Maybe even some giveaways on post-wrestling. Yes, and I think even me and Wei might be stopping by that weekend. So looking forward to that. So uh, check out our our good friends over there. But now it is time to get into Monday's edition of Raw. And Wei, we are going to the always familiar SAP Center. The site of the most disastrous Raw to try and get into the night after the 2015 WrestleMania. The Raw with, what, two entrances to it? I remember the Mania itself being really difficult to enter, um, but I'm sure the I think you're bel- I think you're thinking of Raw. Don't you remember? We, we no, had to dude. line up for this ridiculous amount of time. That Mania was terrible, too. Getting it could out, have been both. Getting out of it was terrible. Because there was only that one train from oh, Levi Stadium. Oh, that's right. Stadium. That's right. That was the train. Yeah. Well, Raw the next night was not much better. It was okay. just an ungodly long line that we got into in order to enter but it looked pretty pretty packed here yeah john cena came out to start the show and he says that everyone knows the importance of wrestlemania wrestlemania can make a star's career and it can bring a legend back from the dead which instantly got a reaction from the crowd and we'll go back to that line yes but he questions who is going to make a moment at wrestlemania we're into the the season of Making moments, way. Cena says he has to win the Elimination Chamber. The audience hated this notion. He says if he doesn't win, he isn't sure he has a road to WrestleMania. He has to survive the most unwinnable match in WWE history. The most unwinnable. And then that just gives him a chance to face the most unbeatable champion in WWE history. So what Cena has to do, way, is win a match... That is so unwinnable that Cena's won two of them. And then go on to face the unbeatable Brock Lesnar, who he defeated in Brock's first match back in 2012. But the man can make the impossible possible. Including making matches exist for one moment and then disappear into the ether. That's Mm. what he did here. Because backlash no longer exists. Now, John Cena's out to get revenge for SummerSlam 2014. Right. That's their history. Uh-huh. So a lot here. Mm-hmm. The story is kind of what we expected, or at least outlined a few weeks ago, about John Cena 
probably losing the chamber match and then having no pathway to WrestleMania, which I don't think is a bad story. I think that it could have been done in a, I think it could have been presented more believable that instead of this guy just not even being able to get a spot in the Andre Battle Royal, it could be, I haven't, I have not had a big WrestleMania match in quite a few years. I missed a year in 2016 due to injury. And let's be honest, I don't know how many more big matches I have left in me. I wasted last year on a proposal. (laughs) Well, yeah. Uh, And he just says that, listen, if I can't be a major part of WrestleMania, I don't know if I even deserve a spot. So the the story is Mm -hmm. he wants to have something significant at WrestleMania and losing out on a title match. He doesn't want to just be taking up a spot on the card that a younger guy could use more than he could. And then this leads to the Undertaker scenario, which puzzles me as to why you would dangle this line here in this promo, which wasn't all that subtle in any way. It's like he's already laying out the contingency plan. I mean, it's not at all subtle um, if you know the plans, if you are aware of the rumor. And I imagine something like that was said so that we would continue talking about it and, and ultimately build interest towards that match. Uh, it still works if, you know, if you're somebody who doesn't know anything about it. It's just kind of a throwaway generic line. I don't think it was throwaway. I think everyone caught on. Yes. Cena paused, so everyone digested it. I'm saying if you weren't aware at all of okay. the rumor, I think you you would just consider it a throwaway generic, oh, WrestleMania is such a big match type of line, you know? Like, it's not like he mentioned The Undertaker here. Well, but, but who if else is coming back from the dead? Al Wilson? What he's what he's saying is that you can resurrect a career from from a big match at WrestleMania. But I, I just, see what you mean. Saying, I see what you mean. I'm just saying it works both ways, you know. But if you are aware of the rumor, this just kind of adds fuel to it. The one thing here is that I feel with the everyone's gonna be upset about the whole retirement last year yeah. and that they go back on it. Mm-hmm. I almost could overlook it if they're making it out to be this like the undertaker is coming back from the dead he's disappeared for this whole year everyone's written him off as retired we haven't seen this guy in a year and it's not much of a death well a year listen i'm giving them anyway i'm giving them enormous creative liberty here to try and tell this this little story of this comeback because this guy changed his mind so i just feel that the appearances of the undertaker i just wish we hadn't seen him for this last year at all and it was left a mystery as to whether this guy would come back or not. I think everyone can kind of see where it's going. And we, he was just on television. I kind of wish they didn't do that appearance at the anniversary. Yeah, the, but then you would have had people at the Manhattan Center be even more uh, upset. Well, God forbid they plan <laughs> something else that one of the thousand other guys that they have flown in could have somehow taken up that nonsensical promo we got from Mark yeah. Calloway. Yeah, I don't. I, I again, I don't really mind the story as well. I mean... In the end, it's a match that I think will have everybody's interest. You know, we'll all be kind of curious about how the match will go, and we'll all be paying attention. Um, so they just have to announce the match, and the place will go crazy. I kind of thought about like why they weren't making a bigger deal out of Cena wanting to catch Flair's record, break Flair's record at this point, right? Or is it catch it, break it, break it? Yeah. To me, like if if Cena is stating that he wants to make it to WrestleMania, like. 
isn't it a bigger deal and a more believable deal to want to break Ric Flair's record at WrestleMania? He did his own research and realized he's quite a few reigns away from breaking it, so he's realized, oh, oh, never mind. But, I mean, you know, hearing you talk about it and just kind of thinking about it right now, it wouldn't necessarily... They will never... Like, he will fail because he's not supposed to have a title match at WrestleMania. And in the end, I think they want Cena to succeed. And by Cena having a match with Taker, that's him succeeding, you know? Um at least, like, getting onto WrestleMania is his ultimate goal. Not Like, him stating that he wants to break Flair's record, he will never accomplish that at WrestleMania. I imagine that... Like, I go back... I, I think most can look at the, the Jinder Mahal title reign as probably ending before they had envisioned it ending. Like, with the AJ thing just out of nowhere. Yeah. And I wonder if they would have kept with him all the way to WrestleMania. And that very well could have been seen as program. Like, that's what it seemed to be building to. Hmm. Um with with gender, I wonder what gender does this year. Battle royal. He could be in the battle royal again. Yeah. Imagine that year to year, he's right back in the battle royal. I could see him having something. Yeah, he's he's almost so on the back burner at SmackDown that they're just waiting for this cycle to finish up through Fastlane, and then he could have something. Yeah, um, I don't know what that is off the top of my head. So the Miz interrupts with the Miztourage, and he says this isn't 2013 anymore to Cena. It's now the year of the Miz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the world of Rolling Stone, I guess it was. He calls Cena the founding father of Suplex City, and Miz is going to be the first to hold the Universal and Intercontinental titles together. And Cena points out a fan in the front row literally laughing at this comment that the Miz made. Cena points out that statistically... The Miz does have a chance against Brock Lesnar because Brock could miss his flight or be frozen in a block of ice, which begs the question way on my official WWE calculator. When I type in the Miz versus Brock Lesnar one versus one, it tells me Miz has a 50% chance of winning that match. Wouldn't he? By logic, just by being a body inside of a ring, don't you have a percentage chance According to the WWE official calculator, yes. Cena's throwing this into a dispute. So then Miz says that he matches up far better against Brock Lesnar. And it leads to a challenge being made by Cena for tonight, where the loser of their match would enter the elimination chamber first. Miz calls this idea stupid, but then the Miz Taraj jumps Cena, in which Bo Dallas tore his pants I didn't notice The whole back of his pants got torn here. Poor guy. Man. And Miz then decides to accept the challenge after Cena's laid out, which (laughs) led to this great interruption by Kurt Angle to come out and said, this isn't how we are going to start Raw. As he then signaled out a referee and said, the stipulation stands. This is exactly how we're going to start off Raw, Kurt. We're literally going to do what Miz wanted. You're just providing a referee to ex- expedite this request. I would say I would say Kurt had quite the performance on this show. It was uh, full of inconsistency and stutters. Um, just wait one second. He literally came out to say, "No, no, no, we, we are not this. going to do this. Get the referee out. <laughs> the match is on." <laughs> like I can't even make this up. This is like, I'm not even exaggerating. I have to wonder if like Kurt maybe screwed up a line, or something, or some maybe a line was missing here, because I can't believe that something like this was scripted so stupidly, right? I feel it's now assumed that when there's 
a gap in logic or story, and it's a Kurt Angle promo, that that is kind of the conclusion that you make. He had a really rough show, Kurt Angle. The Miz and Cena started off the show, and Cena kicks out of an immediate cover. They went through the break. This is where Cole brings up that SummerSlam 2014, Cena's just been boiling up all this anger, and now he's going for revenge to face Brock Lesnar. There was a sleeper applied by Miz. It went very long. And they go to commercial break. Perfect. I mean, like, imagine if o- when Okada was in that skull end, <laughs> you know, <laughs> all that back and forth. We have to go to commercial. We'll be right back. I just, I understand nobody buys a sleeper anyway. But, I mean, good luck trying to get anybody to pay attention next time you do a sleeper hold in the middle of a match. I think you, you're basically communicating that, yes, this is a rest spot. Next time you see a sleeper hold, feel free to go grab a sandwich. There's nothing to see here. If there was a gif to come out of this match, it has to be John Cena on the top turnbuckle, Miz shaking the ropes, and you have never seen a more mechanical process of a guy getting crotched and gingerly sitting down and then rolling forward off the turnbuckle from this rope shaking. Then what John Cena, like I felt like I was watching like a mechanical robot sit, roll, tumble, completed task. I feel like we're, do you think in our lifetime we will see an android have a match? Yes, I do. Wow. I think probably Joey Janela's Spring Break 5. Yeah. Tops. Interesting. Yeah. We'll have like AI commentary. Maybe that'll be the rebranding of AIW. I feel like DDT will be the first to do the... Artificial intelligence? Android match, yeah. Android versus... Well, it's a race. Someone's going to figure it out. Well, um, there's very little intelligence to the construction of this. I I don't even want to rag on this match, but I just feel Cena is just really not at the level he was prior. I mean, this also wasn't a big match, but you're you're right. Like compared- I, I just feel that there's a template now yeah, yeah, yeah. for John Cena matches, yeah. and it's like we just go right into all the near falls at the end without building everything up to where it means a whole lot, and it's almost like this this standby trope that we can we always have this at the end the the hot finisher kickouts and mm-hmm. we'll do like we're kicking out of AAs and skull crushing finales that was, here that was all these matches though the Roman match was the same I'm not saying that any did better than the others but yeah. this to me was this but, all built to the finish with the various kickouts and then super f- versions of the finish I feel like it's okay to have a template but within that template you you can you know express yourself and I it's, you know, for me, a mismatch and a lot of Cena matches don't really uh, convey that, that level of expression. So after kickouts of the AA and Skull Crushing Finale, Miz went for a Skull Crushing Finale off the turnbuckle. Cena blocked it. Super AA won the match, uh, then went and presented this armband to a child in the front row. And yeah, as Cena is leaving... Mm-hmm. Uh, JoJo then announces, and the loser of this match, The Miz. And between JoJo's announcement of this and then Braun later, JoJo had one of her better nights, I thought. Um, in what, like, in, Maybe nothing mean, specific mean, to her, but I, I literally laughed yeah. twice at JoJo tonight. With yeah, the, what, This ending was kind of funny. What precedent is there for when a, a loser is announced? 
I mean, yes, I, I understand. It's just this. The main point of this match was that, yes, the loser is the one that is affected. Listen, after watching this match, John should be going in at least fifth, if not swapping spots with Elias. Let this mm-hmm. man have as much rest yeah. as possible before he has to enter. Yeah. All, you know, all that said about maybe how I found, how dull I found the match, crowd was really into it, man. Like, it's a Cena match. And I, I think The Miz is, about, you know, partially to uh, attribute that, uh, that, that reaction to as well. Like, crowd loved them. They didn't even have to do that much. Matt Hardy cut a promo about having a second chance tonight. We're building up to the four-way. And... The others, their second chance is already over. The seven deities have blessed him to make the others obsolete, and he's going to turn the elimination chamber into the deletion chamber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty bored with this guy. Like, I mean, at least there was a promo this week, but I just feel like the gimmick is still such a watered-down, like, superficial version of what was. And what if he had a valet? Um, Delita. Yes, I know. I, I think it would be cute, but... Not beyond one week? I mean, it's just like... At this point, I, I don't ha- really have the faith that we're going to get that much more from Broken Matt Hardy. The Broken deletion Hardy. chamber, maybe. Maybe that's going to be on the undercard of the show with Bray. He's going to construct yeah. his own deletion chamber. I don't know. I get that he's in a different environment, probably with a lot more limitations than prior. But um, I've just got no sense of any innovation coming from the gimmick in this character. Like, this is the same promo, same shot we've seen for, like, two months now. What if it had a graphic? Yes. With a timer. Yeah, just the word delete on it. Of all the promos that, like, lend itself to having, like, a graphic at the bottom, like, his actually lends itself to it. Yeah. Nerdometer. I didn't hate, hate it, though. Anderson and Gallows cut this promo, yeah. and the nerdometer is a graphic on the screen, and the arrow is fluctuating. And once it hits the maximum level, the alarm goes, and Gallows yells, "Nerds!" They're trying really hard with this graphics thing. I don't know if they bought a new graphics system that they just have to like justify the purchase of or something, but they're trying to force these graphics into everything. Yeah, the WWE shop photo. It's going to be their own. Yeah, maybe they're working on a filter. Like, maybe they're trying to, like, make their own Snapchat, and this is just kind of, like, their attempt at it. That could be. I, I Well, if that's the case, then I'd rather see, like... Here th- they are, Silicon Valley. They're they're ready to show all their tricks here to the, the crowd. I, that, what people should do for these selfie promos is to use Snapchat filters. They should be cutting promos with dog faces, panda faces... Like fairy faces where like they blush, they make you blush, and they change the shape of your face. Braun's gonna be the first one that does this. Please do do stuff like that. You gotta have fun. Um. Anyway, it gives Gallows and Anderson something here with the nerdometer. I don't. It's, but the promo itself I thought was pretty weak. This this nerd thing. Ah, uh, I didn't hate it. Yeah, but I mean it's been months now. I just don't see people. It, it would it. be funny if, like, they do this for a week or two and at least the audience yells nerds at the end because they know that, like, you're they telling them when to yell it. They've done this for months. They were doing this before the Balor Club. No, but not with this graphic. The graphic, it's like, oh. it, it's instructing the audience when to yell it. 
and they're they're anticipating. I just don't think it'll work. They've been trying to hit people over the head with this nerd thing for for months now, and it's not really. They need to working. see a working meter way. They can't just have a a concept yeah. of one in their head. Anderson and Gallows came out, and the revival attacked them from behind, clipped the knee of Gallows, and this led into a tag match. Jonathan Coachman says that Gallows and Anderson have an entertainment level to how they approach a fight. The revival doesn't. An okay. entertainment level. So, so the, so what now? This is the revival, who are not sports entertainers. They are wrestlers, and there's a difference now between sports entertaining yeah, and wrestling. They're, they're dull. They're dull wrestlers. More. They're not entertaining. That was the serious. what was implied here. Okay. Dawson works the knee of Gallows. They went through a commercial break. I don't know if you saw this. Um, they must have like put this up during the day in mm-hmm. the corner of the building. Michael Cole pointed out that they had a WrestleMania sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That was cool. I was glad. Yeah, Michael... Is that the first time they did that? <laughs> it was the first time Michael Cole like just flat out said, uh, "There's a WrestleMania sign in the rafters." <laughs> Thanks, Cole. We're yeah, very. Where aware. is it? Can you direct me <laughs> to where it is? Can you... I can't see. Can you just use a pointer to yeah. instruct me the direction I should be looking? Anderson hit Wilder with a spine buster. The blind tag is made by Dawson, which was not blind to the announcers who immediately identified it. The problem was <laughs> Carl Anderson was not supposed to have seen the tag, but the announcers played it up that Anderson did see it. Dawson's knocked to the floor, but comes back and they hit the shatter machine and the revival wins. So they're continuing to undo all the damage that they did to the revival, starting from that... Um, 25th anniversary edition of Raw. Yes. Well, uh, you know, I'm glad they're being booked quite strong, the revival here. Um, I think they're going to go farther. Ultimately, they're they're fresh, um, great in ring, great promos. I hope to see a lot more from them. Gallows and Anderson, on the other, other hand, I, I mean, I feel like the Ballad Club gave them a bit of life, but I don't think they've evolved at all from that. Uh, to me, it just feels like they're back down to where they are were before. Yeah. Unfortunately, Finn had bigger plans tonight, so they were kind of left on their own. SmackDown promo ran on Tuesday night. It's Dolph Ziggler versus Baron Corbin, but since we last spoke way, there are now higher stakes attached to this because the winner will be added to the title match at Fastlane. Um, oh, I, hope that, I hope we go off the air and we're asking, who won the match between Ziggler and Corbin and both enter? No, oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah. Cre- creativity. Yeah. They kept airing those Dolph promos throughout the night, and it just—I just—I can't believe that they are daring enough to try to promote this Dolph Ziggler return as any type of draw that would entice people to come watch the show. It's gonna be a big, big deal. Boy, he's yeah. back. First time in two weeks. Kurt Angle came out. Yes, please. I'm not even going to talk about the t-shirt combination. The poor guy went through enough here. He announces that Ronda Rousey will be signing her Monday Night Raw contract at Elimination Chamber. Stephanie McMahon's music hit. She came out proclaiming Rousey as their property. And then, coming from the stands, were Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan, who announced that they will not allow Ronda Rousey to sign without getting a competitive offer. Raw and SmackDown are at odds and they are both going to fight for the exclusivity of Ronda Rousey because both brands want this major star. 
up until uh, everything I said at the end there, none of this occurred. Yeah. She's just going to wrong. I'm like, did I miss something? No, no. <laughs> I thought I did. I was like, what? There's why did why does Raw get her? Was there no even attempt here? You Maybe know, this they, will be addressed on SmackDown. They have the extra hour. That means they have more money. If there's no addressing of this on SmackDown, Shane and Brian look very silly, I would say. Like, there needs to be at least... Like, she's theoretically the free agent. This is like The Rock coming back. And yeah, he's signing with Raw. Kurt is the better negotiator. I guess so. Yeah. I would love to watch him in the war room with, like, Brad Slater and uh, Team Rousey. Mm-hmm. Be like, We need you to come to... See, Kurt Angle is a t- type of manager that I could see just, like, offering a stupid contract to somebody <laughs> without even questioning their financials. You want $300,000? You got it. Come over. Kurt, I want you to double our offer. I'll do you one better. I'll double double your offer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's very unfortunate because one of the biggest concerns is Rousey's speaking how she'll acclimate to promos Kurt Angle as her manager well you joke but I mean had this been the Kurt Angle of 2003 you could send these two out to do Wrestlemania media together you're two gold medalists or well, gold medalist bronze medalists but here you are okay. I mean if they are teaming together for instance at Wrestlemania and Kurt can go out and he's great in those situations and he's a great promo that you can attach to her on television it's like the Kurt Angle of 2003 with present-day Ronda Rousey. It's a phenomenal pairing together. Sure. And yeah. it's a great story of... Mm-hmm. And tons of media would would totally be booking those people. Um, but I don't think Kurt Angle can really hmm. satisfy that role in 2018. Who, who do you think could? I don't think Ronda needs anybody. You know, if you put Ronda by herself doing a lot of that... The Today Show and whatnot. I think she can hold. I, I'm not worried about her going out to do publicity. Uh, mm-hmm. That stuff, she's very good in those. Well, she's good in those scenarios. Mm-hmm. However, it's certainly she's going to restrict the subject matter that is brought up. I'm more concerned on on the actual show. You have oh. Kurt and Rhonda attached because then you have the natural to send them out to do media. It's more in the body of the show. Rhonda being a WWE performer and having to do promos in the ring like at elimination chamber like she's gonna have to talk um i'm not saying like you just completely don't give her a a chance to talk though asuka doesn't have to talk well i I hope they realize what her strengths are and what her weaknesses are Mm -hmm. um and i just you don't want ronda rousey sounding like like a a, a stephanie mcmahon well so then after that announcement, so Rousey's at Elimination Chamber. That was the announcement here to sign her contract mm-hmm. uh, and probably shoot the angle of where things are going for WrestleMania. Yeah. After Raw last week, Kurt said him and Jason Jordan went to a local medical facility as we get into our WWE speak. This was after Kurt yelled at Jason Jordan to go home and don't come back till you're cleared. Well, apparently about an hour after this, they got together and they decided to go to a after hours clinic. And Jordan had an MRI done, and he needs neck surgery. And he had it the next morning. Amazing how efficient this healthcare system is in the U.S. Sure. Like, how early could he have gotten this MRI in storyline? Like, midnight? Raw went till like, 10 after. And then he had surgery the next morning. So he announces that Jordan had surgery, and he'll miss WrestleMania. And there were cheers. There were yes chants. And... 
I, I don't care how much the Jordan character is like designed for a response like this. I think it's a pretty shitty reaction to have to a guy that I think most of this audience would be aware this guy has a legitimate neck injury and had a legitimate neck surgery and looks to be legitimately missing WrestleMania. Yes, I agree. Uh, and I I would hope that the audience realized that too. But I, I mean, the audience wasn't booing or cheering for the fact that this this man wasn't going to make it to WrestleMania. They are cheering because they hate the character and they hate the storyline. So I give them the benefit of the doubt. But Kurt Angle's reaction here, I felt, could have been very genuine. I thought he could have gone more down this path. He mm-hmm. says, I'm going to talk to you people as a father. And if any of you got joy out of someone being injured and missing WrestleMania, you should be ashamed of yourselves. He is a human being and he is my son. <laughs> yeah. He is my son. He's not an animal. <laughs> yeah. I was totally with Kurt until the... Well, then it continues. He's my son. He is my son. <laughs> <laughs> well, Seth, huh. Seth Rollins came out. He says he is sorry about Jason. He's in a tough spot, and Rollins has been there. He won the title down the road at Levi's Stadium, then messed up his knee, forfeited the title, and he missed WrestleMania. But missing WrestleMania means that WrestleMania moments are not guaranteed. Rollins says he has nothing going on at this moment. He doesn't have a, even have a match at Elimination Chamber. So Angle suggests that Rollins find another tag partner because then we can get away, uh, get around that loophole of you never getting another tag title shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rollins is not interested in this tag division any longer. Yeah, he's like, even I'm sick of like, seeing myself in tag team matches. Kurt, get real. <laughs> he says, I don't want to be a part of Raw. I want to be Monday Night Raw and turn it back into Monday Night Rollins. Yeah, I remember those days. Oh, the, his laugh just entered my head as I heard Monday Night Rollins. <laughs> and he wants to be the man. He wants to beat Brock Lesnar. He wants the Universal title, and he wants it at WrestleMania. But in order to do that, he's got to win the Elimination Chamber. Angle says, (laughs) We can't have this. He says, I don't know if that would be fair. It's like, motherfucker, fair? These assholes all lost a match. I wasn't even given a qualifying match. So Kurt says, well, I've got to ask the people. People? I have a yes or no answer. I mean, question. <laughs> and he asks them, do you fans like money? Do you fans <laughs> like free money? No strings attached, unmarked bills, free up front. Do you like money? Yes, Kurt. Yes, we love money. And yes, put Seth in the match. We can understand the need for a five-way instead of four. We'll take it. <sighs> And the fans made the match, and we got a fatal five-way. Oh, oh God. God. <laughs> I hate WWE conversations. Oh, I wish this was real life. Well. Uh, five-way. Five-way. Listen. I thought Rollins was really good here. I thought he came out, spoke with a lot of conviction. I, For the first time in a long time, I found him to be a... A believable, compelling baby face. Do you know there's a debate going on between Okada's pants versus Seth Rollins' tights? Oh. Well, whose side are you on? I think Rollins are ten times more atrocious. Yeah, I agree. At least, like, I think glitter kind of works for Okada. 
Like the flame, it looks like Harlem like heat. flames off of oh, Harlem Heat or like some crappy like Microsoft Paint graphical oh, wow. flame. Anyway, okay. I thought Rollins was was very good. Kurt, on the other hand, I don't know what's up with him. Um, maybe it's the fact that he has a lot to memorize. Yes, but the guy clearly had something going on in his mind. He seemed preoccupied with something else. His son just had surgery. I guess so. I guess so. You know, but for a guy who I think, whose role is to come out once a week, and actually multiple times a week on one show to come out and speak at length, uh, I think he messes up way too much, and I just don't think he's right for this role. So how I what Kurt Angle Booker T ride along? That's the answer. I'm sure he'd be great. If I guarantee scripted. you both of those guys would be tremendous yeah. on Ride Along. Definitely. As being normal people mm-hmm. talking. Completely. I, I think that could go for a lot of people. I just yeah. think Kurt is in... This is um, this is the job, though. This yeah. is the, the construct of these promos, mm-hmm. and you have to relay information. Yeah. And it's, it is what it is. I, I think that if this guy were not under the gun of being tied to all of the scripting, yeah, he probably would be yeah. a much better promo, but that's not the reality. Yeah. I it it makes me want to see Kurt shifted away from this role. And I think ultimately what we all want is to see Kurt Angle wrestle. And I think at this point a WrestleMania match, you know, is is a prime spot for him against Seth Rollins. Like to me I felt like there was a bit of a tease here. Or at least putting the two of them in the ring, I at least had, had the visual. And I think um, we had hints of a Kurt Angle turning on the audience. And maybe Kurt Angle in a heel role against Seth Rollins as a babyface. Uh, I think that's a WrestleMania-worthy dream match. Then what I would have to, to set that up, and I think that's that's a fine combination. You could Next week, Kurt announces that we're going to decide this and the... The referee screwed this up, and Kurt's the referee for Finn Balor, Seth Rollins, leading to Mm. Finn winning through some... Kurt does something subtle, and it leads to Balor winning, and Rollins is pissed. And that could be your reasoning. Mm. That could at least start something. And I'm fine with that direction if they go with with Kurt. There are many ways it can go, but that's a match I really want to see. Kurt still has the outstanding stuff with with Hunter, although I feel Hunter is kind of connected to a bunch of stuff. So, Unless he... I don't. You don't think they'll do Angle Ronda, do you? Like it's an option. If 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 they're tied to that tag option, Mm -hmm. he he is valid option. But I I would. But at this point, I feel like Braun is the person that you kind of give that value to. Braun is clearly their their chosen one, as you can see on this show. I have more confidence in Braun, like speaking for that team, than Kurt or singing. Too. Yeah. Maybe Kurt could be a singing general manager. He could deliver in song. Well, he set a precedent for that. Yeah, this was a rough segment. And maybe the best positioning for a Bray Wyatt promo was coming off of this. He said, Rollins doesn't deserve a second chance. Didn't even get a first chance, Bray. And neither do the others. He calls them lost fishes. And he will feast on their remains. He'll win the chamber for the second year in a row. And then slay the beast and have the whole world in his hand. I forgot he won that match last year. Exactly. One year ago, actually, wow. someone noted. Uh, this this promo was brought to you by Fiction. Mm-hmm. 
this magical path that Bray has set out for himself to that would culminate in defeating Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Sasha Banks and Bailey. This was announced during the day. Bailey in her hometown in San Jose. Mm-hmm. Michael Cole reminded us that Bailey lost the title to Alexa Bliss in this very building last year. And she came out. Um, there were definitely, they shot all the Bailey signs and I think a very good reaction. I think so too. I wouldn't say though this was the same reaction she had for that pay-per-view last year. I mean, this felt like someone that, this was the hometown person they were behind. This was mm-hmm. more than your typical Bailey reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think they've done a number on Bailey. Maybe I've forgotten exactly what that reaction used to sound like because to me this just seemed really loud compared to what Bailey typically gets. Well, if you bell curve it, it was mm-hmm. it was above the, the the norm. Banks angrily attacks her in the corner with these strikes. Bailey gets sent to the floor, and Banks works on the taped up right shoulder of Bailey that she's always got the tape over. Mm-hmm. Bailey pops up, avoiding the double knees out of the corner, but her shoulder gives out. Banks runs into a clothesline and enters a running knee by Bailey, goes to the top, misses with the elbow drop, landing on the bad shoulder. And this prompts Sasha to apply the bank statement, and Bailey is fighting towards the rope. Banks does the spot where she's trying to push the, f- the rope away with her foot, but Bailey still makes it. Bailey then gets uh, sends Bank Banks into the turnbuckle. They fought on the turnbuckle, and Banks blocked a superplex. Bailey scaled up to the top, hitting the Bailey to belly and pinned Sasha Banks. Yeah, I felt Sasha's healing was probably at its peak here over the past several weeks. And uh, I imagine it was all done maybe a bit more overtly to set up this closing mm, scene. I, I actually liked what they did afterwards. Well, mm-hmm. somewhat. They, they're they standing in the middle of the ring and there's this long pause and Bailey's walking towards her and you don't know what's going to happen. Sasha's frustrated. The expectation is we're finally getting the turn. You think that Sasha's just going to snap. Mm-hmm. And there's this moment where the shot is in so tight on the two mm-hmm. and you just see Bailey's eyes just bulge out of the sockets yeah. as she sees someone off camera and Naya comes in and murders these two. She's also curled her hair which looks makes her look way more frightening. I think it, it just makes her look better. So she kills these two. Mm-hmm. Hits a Samoan drop and lots of heat here on Naya. Charlie interviews her on the stage and she says those two have run Asuka to the limit and she destroyed them in seconds. And at Elimination Chamber, there's only one woman that can end Asuka's streak and it's her. So I kind of felt like this was... I know a lot of people will look at this as, oh, Bailey got a win in her hometown. I, like This whole segment was built for Nia. Yes. Like, Nia was the focus of this segment. And, hey, I, I think that they... Yeah, it wasn't all on Nia. I think, you know, the Bailey-Sasha feud is still there. It's still kind of bubbling. You know, whether... Like, to me, it doesn't seem like they closed the chapter on that. Oh, no. It seems like they just maybe delayed it, at least maybe in, until after the Elimination Chamber. Uh, I think Nia's gotten actually quite good in her mannerisms. She feels like a good, legitimate monster heel for the division right now. Uh, You know, it doesn't look like we're getting a heel Sasha this week, but, I mean, do you you close the door on the idea that they might be doing a match between Sasha and Bayley at WrestleMania? I think they will. I think that Sasha is going to end up losing in the chamber, and I think coming out of that, you're probably going to have the the situation where you have 
You have Alexa somehow retaining the title, mm -hmm. and then you've got to set up a challenger for Alexa coming out of Elimination Chamber, and that should probably that's probably going to end up being like another loss of some sort. Um, for unless Sasha. unless they set up Nia in the Asuka match, you know, some type of bullshit like double pinfall thing. Uh, I really hope they don't do that. I hope that this is just like a competitive fifteen minute match, and Asuka beats her, and then Nia. That's kind of, I mean. Now you're sacrificing the other challenger for your title for Asuka. Why the need for that? Because I think that that's the whole issue to me with like the 50-50 booking. Like we've got to protect everyone so no one gets over. But why do this Nia-Asuka match at all? I think you want to give Asuka like a huge win. She just won the Rumble. Now she's going to beat the big monster and she's going in. Like she is, you put all this on Asuka. So it's like you either go with her. Or you don't. But you could put you could put anyone in there with Asuka. Why Nia, your only other challenger for WrestleMania? Because I feel at this point, she's won the Rumble. She's got to win something comparable, if not above that, for this. She's okay. got to be moving. But again, you're killing the other match. I don't think you're match. killing it. If it's a great match, and then Nia wins like a number one contenders thing, and, and then runs through people going into Mania, I don't think it sacrifices it. Yeah, we'll see. So, they are going over this attack... And Jack's bragging about going through these two. But the big caveat, Jonathan Coachman notes, is that Nia attacked these two after they just had a five-star match. Oh, boy. So That's what, that's what he said. It. Um, well, quite the statement by Coachman to not only give a five-star match, but to do so in San Jose, California. Ah. I, I would love for Coach to rate every match that he calls. <laughs> His star ratings... Is what I want. Oh, How man. about just an observer written by Jonathan Coachman once a week? Oh God, he would. It would just be a paragraph, probably about. Yeah. He's hey. a journalist. It's all about having fun. <laughs> Rollins meets with Reigns backstage. Rollins has got his way into the chamber, and Reigns just brushes him off, saying, "I'll just eliminate you in the chamber, like I did at the Rumble." It's like, hey, asshole. How about like some like we're friends, and we're just gonna have like a match. That I, I haven't even qualified for yet. What a dick. Total dick. Yeah. Well. These two both come off as dicks at different times. Like last week, they were both assholes to Jason Jordan. And then this week, it was Roman Reigns. Just, yeah, I'm going to beat you just like I eliminated you. And Rollins doesn't even give a shit about being eliminated from mm -hmm. the Rumble. He's like, yeah, yeah. I'm really in a awful position here where I didn't even think I'd have a spot at WrestleMania. Mainly because of you. But hey. Whatever. Seamus and Cesaro walk in. I don't know what it was, but as soon as these two walked in and I realized, okay, we're getting a combination of these two in a match. I just... Tired of it? Yeah, I yeah. am. Sure. So they joked... This actually was kind of a funny promo. They joked about Ambrose and Jason Jordan bonding together in physical therapy about what lousy partnering... Uh, what a lousy partner Seth Rollins is. And then Reigns cuts him off saying, hey, what happened to your mouth? To Cesaro. And he was just left silent. Mm. And then as the shot was, uh, as the segment was getting cut off, you heard Rollins yell, nice skirt, fella. Mm. Yeah, you could almost buy that. That would happen in real life. <laughs> All right. Maybe, maybe I'm being too negative no, here. No, no, no. Well, funny. I'm prefacing because the next thing was incredible. This video on Asuka. They did the numbers video that they usually Hold reserve. On a second. Before that, they replayed the Nia segment 
from the prior uh, earlier on in the show. We just watched it. They replayed it. They replayed it, and now they've included the captions, like the big words. No. In their replays. Yeah. Like what words? When Naya was doing the interview. Oh, God. Like. Who came up with this? It's They can never know. do something small, right? It's got to be just so, ob- so obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Like we just, we're going to do it everywhere. Yeah. Guys, we're, we're bringing in this guy. He's going to be known as the Eater of Worlds. Every single time you say his name, he is to be identified as the Eater of Worlds. I want to hear it 900 times on this broadcast. I mean, I think it's great for the hearing impaired. Can yeah. you, could you imagine? Imagine you and I said to ourselves, you know what? These, these free shows, we've got we've to mention this Patreon, okay? So every two minutes, we're going to plug this. How effective would that be, Way? How, how many people would be turned off by that? Every two minutes, we're going to plug this. Yeah. Is that going to drive people? Because, hey, we're saying it over and over. Everyone's going to know what the, where to go mm-hmm. to sign up for this. Or mm-hmm. are you going to just so anger people that they are going to delete this podcast within 20 minutes? That's, That's the WWE style of marketing. And it drives me crazy. And this is for a replay I didn't even see. Let's get to this numbers video. This is the greatest thing in history. They go back to October of 2015 when she debuted in NXT. 860 days later, she's still undefeated with 240 wins. Over 34 women who come from four separate continents and 11 countries. Eight have won gold and all of them have been submitted. She was the NXT champion for 523 days. Seventh longest title reign of all time. And she is the seventh superstar who was both a sole survivor at the Survivor Series and a Royal Rumble winner, joining the likes of The Rock, Ric Flair, Randy Orton, and Roman Reigns. I can't ask for anything better. This was great, yeah. I think video is a largely underutilized device to tell the stories of people who can't cut... Was Oscar missed at all during this show? Lengthy promos. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, I hope we start to see the same with Nakamura. Uh, I almost, I mean, this was great. Like, this was clearly kind of done in the same fashion, maybe by the same production people as the Royal Rumble numbers videos. Uh, I think it's great to tell this story. I'd like to see more, like, character pieces and profile pieces, you know, in addition to things like this. Um, I want more numbers and less words on the screen. Right. That's what I want. Yeah, speaking of numbers. Five stars. Well, I was talking about Dana Brooke. Yes, the statistician was next. Renee Young was going to interview Titus Worldwide, and Titus took over the interview. And Cruz went one by one about all the people in the four-way, or five-way now. Cruz says he's here not to be deleted, but to create. Bray can't digest me. He's going to extinguish Rollins' fire. And the only club he's a part of is this one. Because they're VIP wherever they go. And Dana comes up with the catchphrase, Cruz can't lose. And Titus yeah. loses his mind. And yeah. then they all danced. Yeah. they So they understand the concept of opposites with this promo. Anyway, what is Dana Brooks' like purpose? She probably worked all week on that video for Asuka. Um, anyway, I just don't think she adds anything. I'm really glad Apollo is finally able to show a bit of personality, though. So... 
I mean, this is a, an improvement. I think very far from where he should be, but it's an improvement. Ugh. Watching him in the five way, it's like he I'm not saying I'm not saying this is the best guy on the roster, but he was such a fresh opponent mm-hmm. for all these guys. Yeah. It's if he came if he went into NXT right now in that top mix, I think he'd be a great fit. And then he'd debut in the, on the main roster with seriously, you know, as a serious threat. Because in ring, this is what that this guy is. But you see him in this gimmick and in segments like this, and he's still a bit of a joke. Um, and maybe you blame him for some of that, you know, the inability to kind of really convey his personality over the two years he's been on the roster. Has it been that long? Yeah, we're coming at two. Yeah. It was the night after Mania 32. Um, but it also hasn't been like he's been given the best opportunities to showcase that personality either. And certainly this Titus Worldwide gimmick, I think, is just awful. I think it just sucks. I think he was among the highest. I mean, Dana Brooke is one, too, of people that were called up without any plans. And Apollo would have greatly benefited from a sustained run in NXT. Because I guarantee you, like, the biggest, you know, people will look at, oh, he just, he's he's not a great promo. It's like... It's not that he's not a great promo. He's a different promo than what you associate with. Yes. This guy is a per- perfectly normal speaker. Mm-hmm. And I just look at, had George St. Pierre followed his love of pro wrestling and ended up in WWE, he would have been told he's an awful promo. He can't speak English. And here's a guy that's literally one of the most charismatic people that just talks. He's not, he's not crazy. Yeah. He doesn't talk loud. He doesn't talk with insults. And Apollo Crews, it's like, you can get a a character like that across just through different methods. And I have so much more faith in the system of NXT utilizing a character that deviates from the norm Mm -hmm. versus the main roster that ends up putting a guy like this into Titus Worldwide is our answer. I think so, like, especially if you maybe watched wrestling a long time, you're conditioned to the pro wrestling promo as the only way to cut a promo. And that's maybe part of the problem right now with all these promos sounding the same. And if they don't happen to sound that way, well, then that guy can't cut a promo. When that's not the case, you know, there are plenty of ways for people to convey their personalities without having to talk like a wrestler. Like what we when we just watched that video with Sonata, mm-hmm. this isn't a loud, boisterous, traditionally no. great promo, no. but the content was... He feels like an athlete. He feels like a sportsman who is out to win a championship. After that, Alexa Bliss met with Mickey James backstage, and I guess when they got backstage last week, Mickey and Alexa just went into separate tunnels, and they never saw each other until this moment, because now Mickey could ask her, why did you help me last week? <laughs> Bliss asked Angle for this match tonight, a tag match, with the two of them teaming together, because she's sick of newbies that think they can run this place, and wanted to clear the air with Mickey, and regrets about all the things she said about her age, buying her Depends. She respects Mickey. She's amazed at how she can balance being a mother and a WWE superstar. Bliss is worried that Absolution could win this title at the Elimination Chamber and then just have matches among themselves. Which is a hell of an idea, Alexa. Yeah, it'll be like one versus the other? Yeah, she is... It's, <laughs> First of all, like, yeah, she also, like, Paige really isn't in that mix. So hmm. she imagines that Sonya or Mandy, who, let's... Let's go over this math here, okay? While they love to do their stats, okay? Yeah, yeah. She said if 
If we don't work together against Absolution, we have no chance. There are six people in this match, two of which are Absolution. Alexa's really underestimating the odds here. So anyway, they've got to work together against Absolution. Because if they win, it will be Mandy versus Sonya every week for the title. No one will, will ever be able to get into that mix. What can you be like Connor holding up the title. Anyway, they're going to work tonight. But Mickey says, then I'm coming for your title. I thought both gave some decent performances here. Yeah, this was yeah. this was like before a, you tore it all apart. Oh no, this was uh, this was their version of uh, Okada and uh, Jay White saying, "I'll join you, but eventually I'm coming for your title." So that this was our tag match. Cole noted that Mandy Rose now wants to be referred to as the total package. They beat on Mickey in their corner, and Mandy applied this very. Strange-looking abdominal stretch where she looked like she was going to fall over while applying it. And James snap-mared her way out of it. Paige is yelling at Bliss, and then DeVille yanks her off the apron. Mickey gets over to the corner, but no Alexa Bliss to tag. And Rose hits her with the double underhook slam and wins the match in four minutes. Short TV match. Um, I didn't really feel, feel like it ever got going. But the story remains that Alexa is genuinely on Mickey's side. While we're discussing Mandy Rose, mm-hmm. uh, I did my, my, my now routine of watching Mixed Match Challenge uh, a week later. Mm-hmm. I thought that match was great. Yeah, with, it was fun. Wasn't with it? Jimmy Uso and Naomi against uh, Goldust and Mandy Rose. Mm-hmm. Like, these are just such, they're, they're fun 10 minute matches. Yeah. And that's all I watch them for. Yeah, I think there's a real um, lack of comedy matches, especially on a show like Raw. It's like what that Saturday morning slam show was, Mm -hmm. which like it was totally separate from the regular shows. And it was these guys just going out and it was like doing improv. Yeah. It was fun stuff to watch. Mm -hmm. And these four, I thought, did a much better job of literally playing off the crowd. And Daniel Bryan was fun. Yeah. Right down to his goddamn hair. I hated that hair. Anyway, I, I enjoyed it. Rose Gold. Rose gold. Some yeah. of these pairings, I mean, I know they're kind of experimental and probably thrown together for absolutely no reason, but a lot of them are actually working. You know, I'm talking about Braun and Alexa. I'm talking about Gold Dust and Mandy Rose, uh, to the point that I would love to see them transition some of these pairings to the main roster. Yeah, I think it'd be a tougher fit taking these characters and doing it on the main show. I just think it's kind of it's like these separate universes of characters. Um, you can if you want to, though. You, if you wanted to take Mandy Rose out of Absolution and pair her with Gold Dust, you can. Yeah. Well, they had their chance to do their their mixed tag division. A year ago, I came up with that idea way. Right. And now they're getting around to it. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll get a, a mixed match championship. So then we had uh, afterwards Rose and DeVille pummeling Mickey. Alexa came, fought them off, and then she's checking on Mickey. Yeah, still no uh, updates on Paige. She just, she's the manager right now with the expectation that, like, she seems to be temporarily uh, inactive. Yeah, and hey, to her credit, she comes out and, like, there's no reservation. On, like, she just seems, she's all in. We don't know the full story. I mean, she could still be awaiting results. Well, Tess, we don't know. Uh, listen, what's it's been reported out there is like, I don't know. It seems pretty consistent. Like, I, I think it's going to be quite the miracle if she ever 
wrestles in a WWE ring again. But hey, we will see. Members of the Philadelphia Eagles were showing with WWE replica titles. And then Elias is in the ring. And he asks, who wants to walk with Elias? And calls the reaction pathetic. Insults San Jose. Then he insults all of California as a toxic dump. And reminds everyone he beat Cena and Strowman last week. And he's got a song. The Elimination Chamber Blues. And he starts his song. And then JoJo announces Braun Strowman. And a spotlight appears at the top of the ramp. And there is Braun Strowman sitting on a stool. And he brings in his own instrument. A double bass. The visual of this. It was awesome. I was 20 minutes behind Raw. So when I saw this uh, photo appearing on Twitter, Mm -hmm. I was just (laughs) taken aback. This was just... (laughs) You have to see this. Yeah. He goes to play the bass and he breaks the strings instantly so he starts singing ending it by saying when this song ends you're going to get these hands which led to the audience chanting get these hands what a voice on braun Strowman! who would have thought this whole time i thought they were building up uh, their own brock lesnar turns out they're building up their own rock if anyone is out there and this is a yeah, pretty well-known comedian uh, K. Trevor Wilson. If you go yeah. and YouTube this guy, mm-hmm. this is Braun Strowman's younger brother. Oh. Like identical voices. Wow. Okay. Not even that dissimilar in look. Okay. I'll, to the point that it's now enters my head every time. I'll Google him later. Very funny individual. Okay. And a wrestling fan. So then, after the singing uh, concludes, he brings the double bass to the ring. And him putting this thing over his shoulder, incredible. They fight in the ring. He grabs Elias with the guitar, swats him on the chest with it, and then power slams Elias, who tries to crawl up the ramp. And as he gets to the top, Strowman takes the bass, comes up, and smashes this thing over top of Elias, Mm -hmm. who I just thought was dead. Yeah. Those things look heavy, but they're only actually like 25 pounds. Not that heavy. Well, I mean, to you and I, we none of us, neither of us would be able to hold it over our shoulders. But like the visual is just tremendous. I think this is great. They're doing everything right with Braun Strowman. There, it's amazing though how comfortable comfortable he is with comedy and how how he's able to straddle the line between you know being a serious threat while also making people laugh. I would be really curious because now with the way the the television ratings come out, we no longer get like the quarter hours where you can see which segments are really performing well because Mm -hmm. the brawn segments would be the most interesting to me to see how these non-wrestling segments do with brawn. The fact there's such a proliferation of this, of this would insinuate that they do well. And I I think Mm -hmm. that if those kinds of numbers were out, I think people would be way more sold on brawn as being, a main event top babyface if they could see the actual impact he has on the show. And I'd just be curious how these segments do because like they're so visually appealing Mm -hmm. and like these are the epitome of these car crash segments that you just can't turn away from. Yeah, I I wonder what his YouTube numbers are like too. When they ever post those, like his crazy stunts, they always do big viewership. Right. 
But I think the television numbers would be really interesting to, to see. And we only see like what each hour does. But nonetheless, I thought really entertaining segment yeah. here with with Braun. Mm-hmm. Finn Balor's selfie. He even started uh, tilted down. I mean, adding yeah, some artistic to, flair here. Adding some camera moves. Yeah, look at him. Uh, he doesn't care what the others want. He only cares about what he wants and getting back the title he never lost. Thanks, Finn. Okay. Yep. Cool. You're in, the, you're in the match. Yep. Sheamus versus Roman Reigns. I guess Michael Cole felt he had to one-up Jonathan Coachman's comment from earlier because he decided to provide this hot take. When Sheamus retires, he will go down as one of the most underrated stars of all time. I mean, I could buy that. Okay? Because people... People sleep on Sheamus. See, to me, I look at underrated as someone that is given very little and performs at such a great level, but should be given so much more. And the opposite would be true for Sheamus, who I feel Mm. he's been given everything and should have been doing less. For the early years of his career, I I think that's true. But I would say for the, the, you know, the more recent year or couple of years he's had, he's probably outperformed his criticisms. As part of the tag team? Yes. I, I think he's fine in the tag team. I think he's exactly in the position he should be. Okay. No I, higher, I no lower. I don't think it's a crazy statement, is what I'm saying. Of of all people, I would say Cesaro, you could argue, extremely underrated. Like, that's a guy. Cesaro is not underrated. He's critically acclaimed. Okay, but what are we talking about? Positioning on the show or? No. I mean, to me, Coach, I don't know what Coach is saying. You're, you're this was Cole. This was Michael Cole. Oh, Cole. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm actually just kind of speaking for me. But I don't think it's an outlandish statement, is my point. Um, Corey Graves was having enormous trouble speaking during this match, yeah. which is an issue when that's your job. Sheamus hit a rolling fireman's carry on the floor. That set up the break. The audience was so captivated, they were chanting Rusev Day. Sheamus went for a brogue kick and was caught with a Superman punch. Reigns hit a sit-out powerbomb. Sheamus hit this flying knee that they showed in slow motion. And it was one of those WWE slow motions where you assume he really clocked the guy. And the way Reigns reacted to this, I could totally buy that he got nailed in the face. Hmm. Reigns sends Cesaro into the crowd with a back body drop. Irish whips Sheamus into the post and goes for the drive-by, but is hit with a clothesline. And then Sheamus leaps off the top turnbuckle in the ring into a spear, and Reigns wins the match. I thought a very hot match. I thought these two did a very good job. Nice looking finish. These two usually have good matches. To me, yeah. it's just it's a pairing that is kind of overdone for me. Sure. But this was a good match. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really have much bad to say about it. Ivory's WWE announcement was next. This was the uh, the latest announcement for the Hall of Fame. And we had footage from Glow yeah. in here, including a credit to Matt Simber, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting because it had been um, Babe the Farmer's Daughter uh, Ursula, I'm blanking on the last name, who had claimed that she was the one that owned the rights to Glow and had sold it to Netflix. But here it was Matt really? Simber who got credit, so... Okay, who knows? Uh, kind of interesting. No mention of uh, the powerful women of wrestling, which uh, Ivory also worked for, mm-hmm. um, and then just went through the highlights of her WWE career where... Including, like... A lot of time spent on her WrestleMania 17 match with Which, China. Well, her career, 
her career highlight. Yeah, it was cited as like a major accomplishment when that match was. This is like a three minute squash. I mean, yes, appearing at a WrestleMania match, I think for for Ivory, it was probably a career highlight. But I guess it just kind of shows you mm, maybe her standing in the car on the card at the time when this match happened to be the most important thing you could brag about. You watch this video package and it really puts into focus like what this women's division was. Mm-hmm. And listen, Ivory was listen, I, I think if you and I put our heads together, yeah, like tell me a great Ivory match. But mm. it's t- it's tough from that era because how many great women's I, matches? Th- it wasn't there? the job. It yeah. wasn't expected. Yeah. It wasn't even they weren't given like twenty minutes to go out there. No, and, and thank God they weren't. But well, but somebody like Ivory versus like uh, Trish, you know, or Molly, I think could could have done a great job. Yeah, it's the bar was extremely low, and I think mm-hmm. Ivory was above that that bar. Certainly, um, that's that's what you could say. Yeah, who do you think inducts her? Just one of the the women on the roster. Mm. I want I want Matt Simber to induct her. Who would make sense from a, a wrestling perspective to induct her? Ivory. One that I think that they. I don't think it's crazy because they, yeah. they love celebrities. Is yeah. that someone off of Glow? Yeah, Allison. <laughs> I don't know if she, she Allison Brie? Yeah. I think it would be uh, possible. Imagine Mark Marin inducted her. Yeah, some uh, celebrity. Uh, who else in wrestling was she associated with? Like, the RTC like was hardly a... She was that, great in that role. Yeah, but like enough to like warrant an induction from mm. like... The God, the Good Father. I mean, some of these inductions. I mean, they're just three minutes. Who of... did she team with? Was she ever in a? Ah, whatever. Okay. Anyway, let's move on. It's it's kind of unfortunate that when you the women that come to mind in the history of the company with her, China, Mula, yep. May Young. Mm-hmm. It's like these are all people that have passed. Um, I imagine it's just going to be one of the women on the roster, probably. Yeah. Or yeah, maybe, maybe the maybe a Jacqueline, or maybe someone someone like that. Main event, Bray Wyatt, Finn Balor, Apollo Crews, Seth Rollins, and Matt Hardy. Winner gets the final spot in the chamber match. Early on, there was a Tower of Doom spot that was broken up by Bray and led to a CM Punk chant. Why? <laughs> I don't know. In San Jose? They're like, maybe this will be the time he comes out. <laughs> Michael Cole said, shoulder breaker to the throat. And Corey responded, that would be a throat breaker then, Cole. It's like, yeah. And then, like, Coach, later on, makes a point, And clearly they're about to go to commercial. So Cole just interrupts and says, who's going to the chamber? And they cut the break. Like, I feel like if, <laughs> if this was a team that I felt like had better chemistry, they would kind of, like, ease each other's transitions a little bit better. Um... No, these guys just like to fuck with each it other. It just feels like there's no real sense of support between them. And like sometimes it just feels like they're just trying to, I don't know, make sure that they seem smart rather than the team as a whole seeming smart. They came back from a break. Bray was doing his upside down in the corner and Matt starts applauding him. There were side effects to Bray and Balor. Rollins hits uh, suicide dives to three guys on different sides of the ring. And then he's in with Apollo. And I like this combination with these two. I mean, mm-hmm. this is just, you know... Really talented guy in Apollo Crews and a yep. fresh combination, which I think Raw desperately needs more of. Like, just guys to... I don't think it's... 
just seems like there's a small core of guys that are just going to matches every week. And it's mm-hmm. fine to do a, you know, Seth Rollins and Apollo Crews for 10 minutes on TV. It's like they're not connected, but just go out and have a, a different looking match than Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins teaming up against Cesaro and Sheamus again. Dude, like I just spent the past week watching PWG, <laughs> Battle of Los Angeles, and watching a New Japan show. Like watching a lot of New Japan. So to go from that to this, it I know these matches by Raw standards were, were pretty good. But man, they're just like, to me, so far off the mark of like what's interesting out there right now that it's not even funny. There was nothing on this show that touched Hideo Itami and Roderick Strong. You don't even have to go outside of WWE. That's true, too. Uh, But you have the talent. Like, you have a guy like an Apollo Crews and a Seth Rollins and a Finn Balor in in the mix who I think are very capable of having these incredible matches. But um, I don't know. For whatever reason, uh, it's not up to that standard. So Rollins and Balor are on the top turnbuckle. Bray is laid down on the mat, so Rollins goes for a Phoenix Splash, misses it, and rolls through. Twist of Fate is delivered to Bray. Balor breaks up the pin with the coup de grace as he comes off the top. Then uh, Seth hits Balor with a stomp. Yeah. Cruz breaks up the cover. Near fall off a standing moonsault to Rollins. And then Cruz and Rollins, um, they continue. I thought they had really good interaction throughout this show, but the unfortunate part here was no one bought Apollo Crews and this felt like 205 Live when sure. it was Rollins and Crews. Like, mm-hmm. crowd was really dead for parts of this. Sister Abigail is hit to Matt on the floor and then they go for the Tower of Doom to Bray and Crews. Both Balor and Rollins pin Bray at the same time and so abruptly the show just ends with Michael Cole asking, who won the match? Well, who won? They both did. So presumably, we will get a singles match next week? I believe they actually just announced Oh, okay. that Seth Rollins and Finn Balor are both added to the match. Oh, so you're going to have seven people in the chamber. Yeah. So I imagine... Kurt Angle announced on Facebook Live that both Finn Balor and Seth Rollins will be in the Elimination Chamber match. Seven competitors for the first time in the history. So what does that mean? Three people start? I believe so. Once you cram an extra sure. chamber in there. Oh, well, that tells you that the Jordan thing threw quite a curveball at them, and hmm. this is Rollins' spot. Well, right. that's there goes our uh, our Kurt Angle idea. Well, that doesn't mean they can't do that. No, they could somehow. still spin something off. Yeah. All right. Well, that was Raw. Way, did you like this show? Um, you know, I thought, like I said, three strong matches. Uh, by 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 Raw standards on the show, fun bronze segment. And those were my highlights of this uh, three-hour show. I thought, by raw standards, it was an average show. Pretty good, even. Um, anyway, yeah. Well, let's go to the feedback thread and see what all of you had to say about tonight's show. We start off with Vish from Victoria. Big fan. Happy postmark. Habitual WWE viewer. And I know it must be habit, because I'm sure as shit not watching for quality content. Braun and Cello equals ratings. A funny monster is still a monster, I guess. Ms. Cena promo was good. I would totally walk with Elias, and great to see him trying to keep kayfabe alive on Ride Along. His lowlights were the Titus Worldwide stuff and the pop-up font during the Nia Jax promo. Braun is being funny, but at no point are you laughing at him. You know? He's being funny because he's cool. Like, it's, it's The Rock. 
You know, he says he he deliberately does funny things to make you laugh. And look how he's booked. He's not booked to be outsmarted by the heels. Mm-hmm. You know that this guy is can dis- he's going to kill all of these guys to yes. get in his way. Mm-hmm. He's like a kick-ass babyface that you have confidence in that mm-hmm. this guy is not going to be outsmarted. He's not going to be dressed down by Stephanie. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be crying because his job is in in jeopardy and he needs to work here to pay his mortgage. He's just a monster. Yeah. Yeah. 5.76 by the way for tonight's raw. We got a Chris from Carlisle, England. So I had no plan of watching Raw tonight, but when my nine-month-old daughter wakes me up at half two in the morning and I need something to keep me awake while I change and feed her, this show just about did the job. Is that do you can you relate, John? I don't have a nine-year-old, so no. Nine-month-old. Oh, nine-month-old. Yeah. Okay. The Elias Strowman segment was very funny, and while Braun carrying around the massive base wasn't quite tipping over a truck, it was still impressive on a smaller scale. A fun multi-man main event to finish the show with a different finish. I assume we get Rollins and Balor next week to determine the final place. Nope. You get get all your news here. Other than that, everything else I saw was forgettable. Adam from San Diego. Tonight's Raw was a decent show. I thought the five-way was a very solid main event with a quite interesting crowd that at one point chanted CM Punk and then chanted This Is Awesome 10 minutes later. The ending seemed like it was setting up something next week, but the Facebook promo after Raw announcing there would be seven men in the chamber seems a bit out there. Like, why couldn't they just have one of these guys get in via a match next week with Rollins? Well, because then you don't have a spot for one of them. They obviously haven't... Who else would you have put Rollins with if he wasn't in this match? At Chamber. Yeah. Chamber. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody. You know... It yeah, just, it's, a, it's something that they can uh, promote. The first time ever, we have seven people. Does that mean they'll put a seventh in the women's match? No. They don't have seven, I don't, I don't so. think. Yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, he also says, The Braun Elias stuff was very entertaining. Braun went from a character I never cared about to someone I could see being a big player in years to come. It seems he's able to be funny, a monster, and it's quickly improving in the ring from where he was a year and a half ago. We got an Andrew who says Braun Strowman seems to have this Manuro Suzuki esque ability to do comedy and be goofy, and be in goofy scenarios, yet still come across like a badass killer. I feel we all know the outcome of Sunday with Roman Reigns, but I really hope they give someone what they want. Oh, I hope they re- give everyone what they want and have Strowman beat Lesnar at Mania. I also thought it was interesting that the crowd was booing Ronda Rousey. I hope they have her be a heel, even though she's coming in as a the mainstream star. Anyway, decent Raw five out of ten. Is there a possibility of that? You think that they'll uh, that the fans will shit on Ronda Rousey when she comes in, probably at, at the elimination chamber, and the, even the possibility of having Ronda be a heel? Um, I mean, it's always possible. Um, I, I don't, I don't think they'll be too negative when she's there live. But if they are, they can. I mean, they've been dealing with that with with baby faces for a long time. What do you do though if your plan is for Ronda versus Stephanie? I think they'll just fight through it. Even though Ronda gets booed, they certainly won't. Be I, I think, to be honest, if if you want Ronda to be, if if you're worried about her being cheered, Stephanie's one of the best people to be opposite her it's in true. these segments. Mm-hmm. Chris from Melbourne, it might just be the amount of New Japan I watched last week, but this felt like a very paint by numbers raw. From the fifty fifty booking of hometown girl Bailey to the male champions losing clean one on one to whiny Seth and a dusty finish, very bland episode question regarding new japan do you know if the fallout down under shows will be airing on new japan world either live or later on demand i only ask as i've seen many aussies asking with the company yet to official uh, issue an official statement on the matter uh they won't be airing live um 
I asked and have heard nothing about them being placed on demand later, although they could put them up. But as of right now, there's there's no plan in place, but they're not scheduled to be airing live, although they've got their schedule. They're covering like every New Japan Cup show is going to be up. They've got the two Honor Rising shows that are coming up in two weeks time as well. There's a lot of stuff on New Japan World in the next little bit. Finally, Jay from Colorado here says, what exactly does Dana Brooke do? She was taking notes every time Apollo said something. Is that what a statistician does? I'm really looking forward to seeing the results of her research. I gotta hand it to Paige. Week after week, she's still coming out being an absolute pro. I don't know what the company's long-term plans are for her, but I sincerely hope she finds a good spot. I love Elias so much. So very, very much. The dude has it. He's going to go far. He plays the crowd like a true professional. If you would have told me three years ago that Elias and Braun Strowman would be the highlight of Raw every week, I would have called you crazy. Speaking of crazy, for the first time ever, I was looking forward to the Cruiserweight match on Raw this week, and they didn't deliver. I think it was very noticeable that there were no Cruiserweights on Raw, and I don't think that's an accident. That hmm. is, they're trying this restructuring of 205 Live that they don't want them going on Raw as second-class performers. Interesting. I think that's a smart, strategic move. How do you have them appear on Raw, then? At, at all? I, I'm, not, I'm not saying this is something they're going to do. No, no promotion, even, for 205 Live. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah, they didn't mention anything. And I I think that's kind of interesting, that in order to get these guys over, they need to be off Raw. Hmm. Like, isn't that telling in yeah, and of itself? it is. Like, I don't think it was a mistake that they weren't here tonight. Yeah, and I wonder how much influence Triple H has on a decision like that. Uh, probably a lot. It's his show now. Um, before we go, um, on Monday night, New Japan and Ring of Honor announced the cards for their Honor Rising shows. They're happening February 23rd and 24th. Won't go through all of them, but I'll put them up on the website. But uh, some of the key matches. On the first night, the main event is Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, and Chase Owens against Cody, Marty Skrull, and Hangman Page. And Hiroki Goto defending the never openweight title against the Beer City Bruiser. Wow. That should be fun. Cool. Then on, and then uh, the Young Bucks against Juice Robinson and David Finley. That should be a lot of fun. The second night, main event, Cody and Marty Skrull against Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi. Really? So that should be. They're doing that then. Well, Omega and Ibushi are teaming up both nights. Wow. And then Dalton Castle defending the title, the ROH title against Trent Beretta. The Bucks and Hangman Page against Jay White, Chuck Taylor, and Yoshihashi. And then there's a six-man tag title match with the uh, Gorillas of Destiny and Fale defending against Jushin Liger, Delirious, and Cheeseburger. Wow. So those are some of the uh, the matches that will be airing. But yeah, certainly the Omega and Ibushi teaming up together in a six-man and then together as a tag team, those are going to be two of the big highlights hmm. of, the, of those shows. Interesting. So is that it for us? Yes. All right. We are going to chat with you all in 24 hours. We'll be back with Rewind to SmackDown late Tuesday night. And then Thursday, we've got Keep It 2000 with Brian and Nate welcoming Jordan Breen to review the June 12, 2000 Nitro. Friday, we've got our Patreon show at postwrestlingcafe.com chatting about the Royal Albert Hall card from 1991. And then the round table on Sunday. So, yep. And uh, to all double double plus patrons, yes, uh, we are going to try to get a video of this up. If it's not already up already, I'm exper experimenting a, a little bit. So, uh, you should be able to hear the full full show. Actually, if you're listening to this, you probably already no. Now you can go back and watch it. Yeah, you have no reason to go back to watch it. But um, no accordion this week. 
I was disappointed. No, no. no. Maybe well. they got the notice. All right. We'll go, everyone, to uh, postwrestling.com, postwrestlingcafe.com, and we will speak with you Tuesday night following SmackDown.